Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Kafaru Cast. Um, it's just me solo today. Uh, Frank uh, did me a favor and took my football coach hunting. Uh, he's out from Oregon, and uh, but we have the great Jeff Lander from Primitive Out- uh, Outfitting, longtime friend, and uh, you've just had to deal with me for three weeks. So hopefully you can handle me for another hour or so. Thanks for coming on. No problem. No problem. <laughs> uh, so you you you're done for the season now, right? You you just might go hunt, hunt a little bit for yourself out in the bow zone, but you don't have any guiding left. Guiding is all finished. Yeah, it's all finished. Left yesterday and uh, kind of wanted to stick around. Today is the last day of the season archery, but in, in Alberta, as a BC resident, I have to have a, a Class C um, hunter with me, which is a good friend of mine, and uh, he was busy. So I should be hunting mule deer today after what we saw the last few weeks, but uh, it was nice to uh, get on the road and, and get back home too. So, yeah. No, it's been uh, it's been a good good fall, tough fall though, but it's been a good one. Yeah, well, you you have uh, the operation up in for for those of you that are listening that don't know, uh, Jeff's the guy I also go and I've hunted black bear with you, uh, grizzly, uh, and moose. So you've got an outfit up in BC as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how, you've yeah, had that for, for long before time. you guys came. Uh, Eleven years. Yeah, 11 years or I guess going on 12 years in BC and I don't know, 20 almost in, in Alberta. So, yeah, it just keeps getting better. Yeah, well, I ended up killing a good bear up there with you this spring. So did Frank. Um, and you had a pretty good season overall for black bear in general, didn't you? Yeah, black bear was amazing. Yeah, it just seems that uh, every year, I, I guess when you focus on trying to take out the big boars, it, it does, it does work out. I mean, a lot of people manage their whitetails and, and whatever, but we've been doing that with, with bears now. And I would say 95% or more big mature boars, which a lot of people think you shoot them out, but we got so many sows up there, um, that they just move in, you know, one, one gets taken out, another one moves in. So yeah, it just, uh, it was a solid year for, for black bear. We killed some really, really big ones this year. Um, so yeah, look forward to, uh, to next year. Yeah. It was winters fr- don't affect them. Yeah. Good point. So, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, they're pretty late, late, uh, winter or whatever. We had quite a bit of snow when, when we were up there, that was Frank's first time, um, hunting up there and, and, uh, actually gets brought up constantly. Frank has a little bit of a, uh, attention disorder, I guess you could say. And, uh, when that deer was, or that bear was facing you guys, you said, Frank, wait for it to turn broadside. And then he shot and turned around and said, did you say something, Jeff, or what? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the first time I've hung out with Frank. So, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't smoke him on the back of the head, but, uh, um, the results were very positive. So, um, more and more now, mostly if they're closer, um, I'm, you know, the frontal shot, which I haven't been a fan of and not a fan at all when it comes to moose or anything is, is pretty effective. And, and we've, I don't know, maybe 10 or so now over the years we shot frontal and we haven't lost one of them. So, um, if you hit him right and he did, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Oh Great yeah. Piece that, of work. Devastating. Oh yeah. Frank's funny. And I was laughing cause he put the trophy up of. I tried um, <laughs> for mule deer. 
<laughs> he's he's like, man, I'm just going to pretend like I got a recurve anymore. I'm just going to keep getting closer. He, uh, I think that he doesn't show a lot of emotion, but he missed a few big deer, and I think that probably, um, I mean, he handles it well, but I think he's a little bit irritated more than he's probably even showing it. But the thing is with Frank, at least he, he can joke around with it. You know, a lot of folks would not even want you to mention that they missed however many times that, that he missed, and uh, which was a few. But that's mule deer for you. Mule deer, mule, mule deer will make you look foolish. And, uh, yeah, and, it, you know, same thing happened with uh, with Davis and uh, and with many guys. I mean, really, you know, this year – I think I had 10, 10 guys in. There was 22 shots taken. There were six deer hit and two two deer died or that we recovered. And uh, so, you know, you see them, they're bedded, and you're thinking, okay, this is going to be easy. You get in close, and that's that's where, it, that's where it's difficult because so many things can go wrong, and uh, a lot of guys aren't patient. And I don't think that was the case for Frank or for Matt. They were, they were very patient, but, uh, you know, Need some luck. Not everyone can shoot like you, Snyder or Levi Morgan, um, but both those guys are great shots. So, yeah, I've seen many, many hunters come up with longbows and recurves that once they leave my mule deer camp, they switch to a compound, which doesn't really make it that much easier. But, uh, yeah, they're humbling. Yeah, no, it. Uh, I've, I've had a horseshoe in my ass with the recurve, especially with you, um, and this year was no different. That just everything panned out perfectly but it was fun because i got to hang out with uh uh you know scott and kenton from first light uh, the week before and then uh, you know uh brinker senior uh dave brinker's dad and tom and i didn't get to hunt with them or anything i got to hang out a little bit at camp which was super cool and uh you know then levi was in camp and and yeah it was it was good plus you know you and harder is always fun and harder's got such a funny sense of humor and and uh just the way he is, the way he treats me is awesome. Cause, um, he's not afraid to say, well, neither are you. Um, I, I don't know how many times he called me a fucking idiot in the course of the time I was up there, or whatever, make fun of me for something I'm wearing or, which is cool. I like that. I, I it's funny. But when, when that we, I, I spotted that buck, I'm like, shit harder. There's one right there. And, uh, and we agreed, let's wait for it to move into the red brush when the sun hits it. And then, uh, sun hit it, didn't move. And I walked over to the, truck window he was glassing it and I said dude I'm just gonna go over and kill that now and he's like yeah go ahead just do whatever you want <laughs> and that's just how harder it is he's just a smart ass but but did he have his did he have his handkerchief around his neck he did he had his black neckerchief um on and he was you know made fun of me because you know whatever um trying to get to that deer he's flagging me in and and uh you know I'm like off by I don't know, 200, like I got to the bottom and I'm like, man, I, this does not look the same. And he's trying to flag me over. I mean, it panned out. I mean, it worked obviously, but you know, harder was funny. The conversation Kenton was telling me about between you and harder, um, where you were like, is the deer big because you need to go get him. And harder was like, what do you mean? He's like, <laughs> don't let him shoot a small deer. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm bad. I, I'm, I'm not good at trophy hunting and it panned out, but he, uh, when I shot it, I called him and I'm like, I said, I, I killed it. And, uh, he said, I can see you shoot. I'm not that far away. And I'm like, no, I, I, I didn't know if you could see it hit the animal. He's like, well, I thought you hit it. And then obviously came right over. And, uh, he was 
laughing because he was like, he said, Jeff told me you're going to kill that deer and I needed to run down and get you if it was small. So everything panned out good and it was a good deer and I was excited. And it turns out it would have been fun to keep hunting for sure. But as it turns out with, you know, it's difficult enough. I mean, Frank and I mean, getting those guys to tag out ended up being a little bit difficult anyway. So it was good. I shot it when I did. Well, yeah, I mean, the Brinker senior and Tom, they went, they went home a day early. So you know, harder's there. So it's like, you might as well take Aaron out. And that's why I said that because you had two weeks after that to hunt. So when he goes, yeah, uh, Schneider's on a, on a buck. I'm like, okay, is it big? He goes, what? yeah, I think it's okay. I'm like, well, don't let him shoot it if it's not because he's got two weeks to hunt. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, past, uh, past experiences have anything to say to it. You're, you were going to walk over there and you got close and you're going to shoot it regardless. So, and it ended up being a, a smoking buck too. Nice old big deer. So that was good. And uh and then you just got to hang out. Yeah, which and was eat all the food. I was just say which was fun. And, uh, <laughs> hang out with Sylvia. <laughs> oh heck yeah. <laughs> hang out with Sylvia who yeah, she's using you to get to Frank. I, I but, felt awkward. Uh, she rubbed my boob the last night when she hugged me. I I, I was a little awkward and I told Frank, I'm like, I hope you like your boob job, Frank. And Frank does not handle physical contact or emotion well. He was like, I wish I would have been there the whole time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When he, she said goodbye to him, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty neat, pretty special. And I just sat there was watching him, and he was getting uncomfortable. But, you know, I've been kind of getting him ready. You know, every time you get in the truck, I give him an attaboy and give him a slap to the ass and and a good game. And, and so, yeah, he was kind of, you know, he's a little itchy to begin with, but, yeah. yeah, that was funny. Oh yeah. Well, you um, you've been, you've seen. I mean, obviously, we had Brian Broderick up there with Day Six Arrows as well. Uh, for anybody that kind of paid attention, and then Levi was up there. Um, and you've seen pretty much everything there is possible to see with mule deer, mule deer interaction. You know, we were talking shit back and forth about standing them up, don't standing them up. Uh, where they go when mm-hmm. they've been hit, what they do. And, you know, for example, um, you know, Broderick's buck, which, you know, sucks, we didn't find, um, you know, your eyes see what you want them to see. And we mm-hmm. at, we at first thought he had hit it in the stomach. I thought he said he'd hit it in the stomach. And then the next day he had said he thought he might have hit it high. Either way, um it's amazing how, I mean, those deer can go a long ways when the coyotes get on them. I mean, we, we looked all over and I mean, you've seen everything there is to see. And I've heard some of the stories with, you know, different bucks and how you've got them. I mean, what would you say is the craziest uh, situation you've been in on a hit buck where you actually found it? And, you know, like I me, mean, you mentioned one, you saw one bird and could see the deer's hoof because it was all tucked under and it was dead. Is that, am I remembering that story right? Yeah, that was actually one that I shot and I did hit him. I hit him in the guts and, uh, yeah, you, you know, down there with all the, you know, the coolies and whatnot, you really kind of have to pay attention where they go. Cause there are so many holes, mostly in that zone where, where Brian was, um, it, it's like the Grand Canyon. And, uh, they can crawl into stuff that whatever. And so when we, you know, with, with Broderick's deer, you know, you, I watched you and you're up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And me being an older fat guy, 
I'm like, okay, Schneider, here's the deal. You got to go out on a point and watch for birds. And, um, and that was the case with, uh, with the one I shot. I saw where he went down, watched him the night before and, uh, whatever. And the next morning I came in there and I looked down, but I, I happened to see like an old Buffalo skull that was buried in the side of a, of a, uh, bank. So I got distracted and was like one draw over from him. So I spent the whole morning, um, trying to find the saying, and I had seen two birds walking down two magpies, which are absolutely your best friends up here anyway, with finding deer, especially up in the bow zone for whitetail. But I didn't pay much attention to him. And I hiked all around, could find, I went back to my truck at lunch, just kind of regrouped and then went back down and then realized I had gone down 30 yards too far to the left. And when I went down there, I saw the two birds again. So I just kind of followed them and it was just kind of up a cliff face and around. And, and I saw the, I kind of was looking down in this crack and I saw this, uh, magpie fly out from behind the bank. And then all I saw was the hoof. And I don't know how, I mean, cause it was hard to get to where he was. Um, but it was his summer bed it, it, at no time did the sun hit him. Um, his meat was, the meat was great. No coyotes got on him. I was very fortunate that way. But, uh, um, the problem is if you don't hit these things, right, there's so many dogs down there that, um, it can just, uh, you know, if they're laying there, like I watched Brian's deer bed and he, he acted, I don't know if he even acted like he was gut shot when he was hit. He didn't hunch. I, I don't know what happened, but he bedded down pretty quickly after doing some weird stuff. I'm not sure if he got Brian's wind because he was directly downwind, but he got up and walked, and we never saw him again. But when the when the coyotes get on him, they can go a long ways, a long, long ways to survive, and those things will rip you apart. So our, we did our due diligence, two full days hiking that stuff, and uh, well, Brian went the last day, but yeah, nothing. So I think he, who knows, probably swam the river, uh, died in the river, and floated down. I've seen that happen. Um, who knows? But you don't hit them right, like if any animal um, goes sideways. Not everyone's gonna pinwheel them like uh, like you do and, and Levi. That Levi can shoot. He's a pretty good shot. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, he can. He, he can shoot, can he? Uh, he? Yeah. He was giving me crap about it. He's like, "You couldn't wait for me," and I'm like, "Man, I I've got a wood bow. I I need all the help I can get. I ain't waiting for anybody if I got the opportunity." But he he pinwheeled that one. He shot. Um, and oh just gosh. a good dude too i mean levi's just a great guy yeah would have been fun if he would have hung out longer you know i mean uh, he was only there for a couple three days and then he was off to his next adventure which is what those guys do but uh yeah he i sat out there and you know on a sunday night and watched him shoot and wow you know it, it's pretty impressive oh yeah no for i couldn't shoot at 10 yards with my longbow as accurately as he shoots at 80 <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm not kidding you. You see the little black dot in between, on the block target between the two circles, and and uh, it, yeah, I never seen anything like it. But I guess that's why he gets uh, well. Was he 12 or 13 time world champion? So I guess there's something to it. Oh yeah, now he can he can shoot, and he kind of go on the other end of the spectrum. Um, not saying shooting or whatever, but with Kenton and Scott, for example, they were up there and they they went the distance. Um, you know, every day. And I mean, both of them had opportunities. I mean, obviously Kenton did. And, uh, you know, that's one thing I try to whatever impress upon people is 
it is vital to capitalize on your opportunities because you're not going to, you know, no matter where you're at, you may not have, you know, very many. You may not get multiple stocks or multiple shots. And, you know, in, in the case of like the, the one unit we hunted, it, it wasn't as good as it normally, um, well, for the last two years, I thought it was better before. And there were still bucks there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was still plenty of deer in there, but, um, you know, it wasn't quite as good, but like Kenton had a good opportunity, you know, at one and, and, uh, you know, it, it you definitely want to make sure your cold bore shot is on the money that your first one out of the bow and, 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 and it, it's hard to do. It's hard to, I mean, I don't know what it is with mule deer with people. They see that rack and everything else and shit just goes downhill. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, um, yeah, we did have to work harder down where we were, you know, the beginning. Um, I think a big part of the issue, and I mean, I've never seen opportunities at big deer in 18 or 20 years than I did this year. Um, it was just kind of weird, but, uh, but also, you know, when you're sneaking in on these things and they're bedded and Matt Davis had a good point, he goes, it's not hard getting close to these things, which sometimes it is, but we're, the zone he was hunting was a little more rolly and, and they were burying themselves in the buck brush. And, uh, um, so you're able to get close, but it's sometimes it's pretty hard to get close to them down in the coolies. And, uh, but I think the problem is the guy's getting close. Um, Matt was 10 yards the first day from a legit, probably 180, 185. And, uh, you sit there and you watch them for a long time and all of a sudden they stand up and you're seeing the whole body and, you know, it just kind of messes people up because they're, you know, they look a lot closer than they are. And yeah. And so it, it's, uh, yeah, it's mental if you're not used to that. And most guys aren't, most guys are used to intercepting or calling elk in or, you know, whitetails out of a tree stand whipping through, or as Matt said, you know, hunting Utah where you get in front of these deer and they're working towards you and you make it happen. But when you're sitting there and staring at the rack and everything, and that rack is telling you everything you need to know. Um, not, you know, it's just, uh, mentally you start, you know, getting down and, and, uh, not thinking, you know, and you're getting complacent and all of a sudden they stand up and you freak out yours. Well, actually, every deer you have shot with me was bedded, and you shot it in its bed, <laughs> which does not happen. I mean, usually where there's canyons, they're bedded up against a bank. They got the wind at their back, coming in at them at a 45. You don't have a shot at their vitals, but you've kind of proved me wrong there um, with that. So, well, I mean, in, to keep thing in context, I mean, so people, this last buck, for example, when I dropped down. I was going to have to do a very, very questionable stock and come in kind of below it in an angle. So if it makes sense, I'd be going low left to high right. And I would really have to pay attention to the top of its rack, make sure it was looking forward and then scoot up and have to sit and wait for it to stand because I would only have had extreme quartering away shot, more or less an ass shot because of how the wind was blowing. What happened in the middle of me going over there, the wind changed enough 
And it wasn't by much, but enough to where I was very cognizant of it. When I came down on my approach, I probably dropped 10 wind indicators, those wind floaters. I probably dropped 10 of those. And I mean, to be honest, if I would have had to go 10 more feet, it would have winded me. But from where Mm -hmm. I was, my wind was blowing 10 feet off of its butt and it was just enough. And when I first came over the top, I wasn't perfectly in line. I had to go a hair left, but I, I, I knew I had the, the room in the wind and I came straight, I mean, dead center behind its head with it looking forward and, and probably could have stabbed it. Um, we had a good wind and, and when I came over the top, I actually, Ryan and I both talked, thought it would have been between 32 and 40 yards and it was like 20 <laughs> or 22, which is not my wheelhouse. And at that point I'm like, well, shit. If I'm this close, I might as well get a little bit closer. Um, and I took a few more steps and shot it at 16 or 18. But, I mean, that could have, you know, totally turned out differently. You know what I mean? Like if the wind wouldn't have shifted, I would have had, I could potentially had to wait four hours on my knees waiting for it to stand up. And you being the patient guy that you are, I <laughs> have no doubt that you could have done that. Yeah. But most guys, as you and you talked about that a lot afterwards, a lot of guys – and gals that shoot sticks, they don't practice that, or even compounds that those sh- real close shots, because um, there's nothing, there's no glory in it out at the out the range. You know, you want to you want to send it. And uh, I'm joking, I don't ever use that term, but um, <laughs> but you you had them close, and you know you were and you hit them. If you were to do it again, you'd probably what shoot them a little bit higher. I, I mean, well, I, you drilled him and he was dead, but I mean. I, I aimed at first, I told a harder, I was six inches low of where I aimed in a hair left. And actually I was probably, you know, eight to 10 inches low from where I wanted to hit. Um, and it's weird, you know, you don't have the full body, so you don't have the legs, you know, you don't have a lot of the things at a 3d course you would normally get. And they have bedded deer at 3d courses, but you know, as far as sight picture, the one thing I had to do is not look at my arrow tip and shoot instinctively. Because I've, you know, my tip of my arrow, it may be on it at 40, but it's six, eight feet below it or whatever it is at, you know, that distance. And so, you know, one of the things, and I mean, you talk about a night and day difference from me a few years ago, you know, when Frank first shot at that one at 40, I'm like, let's get closer. I would, that shit never came out of my mouth before, where now I'm at 20 or 22 and I'm like, I think I'll just get closer knowing I can, that shit never happened before. So it's new for me, but you know, the closer I got, I figured the better chance I had of hitting it. And I definitely shot low. I mean, I blew a hole through the bottom left lungs, back of the heart, about as low as you can hit them. And, uh, was a little freaked out at first because I was like, Oh Lord, what did I do (laughs) when it took off? (laughs) There's nothing easy with that stuff. Well, and those vitals are settled too on the bottom of the chest when you're bedded like that. Right. So, I mean, you know, if he was standing and you hit him there, I don't know. I don't know enough about uh, about how much that stuff moves. But, you know, I've heard people talk about, you know, we had a, a hit in that void area. And I've heard, I think it was Ronella talking about, you know, if they inhale and those lungs are at the top of the, of the chest cavity or versus exhale and all this different stuff. Well, you just hit them in the middle, which is easier said than done. Um, they don't go very far. Oh, yeah. And and there was a photo I posted. Mine was at the very back of the heart, 
bottom of the lungs, and I think I put one cut down the back of the heart, and it pumped blood like a hose coming out of both holes. But it was so low, I don't think I could have went. I mean, I was borderline brisket. I mean, I was at the bottom of the area where you can actually. I mean, it was as low as you would ever want to shoot anything, and it did die fast. But I tell you what, I'm working on my short game more and more and more because there's no doubt at, you know, 28, 30, 32 to 40, I mean, I'm pretty money. And then you start to get to those closer ranges. I just got to practice more shooting. I mean, I just, I do. I got, and I got lucky it panned out. But, um, you know, I mean, trad to compound wise, I mean, you know, with Frank, it's like, again, my mindset has changed so much of to get closer to where on some of those stocks I was filming with Frank, I'm thinking, oh, we can get at least 10 yards closer. And, and, and that's a huge change for me from a few years ago. And it's strange, even for me, every now and then I'm like, wow, what happened to me? <laughs> yeah, that was a fun, uh, yeah, it was a fun three weeks. You were good. You're good help with uh, Scott and Kenton. They like, like having you there and, and those guys are just uh Kenton's so easy going but um yeah what did he keep saying rat farts rat <laughs> farts when he, <laughs> he hit that buck and he uh oh we we're talking about really right stuff tripods he guys yeah he goes yeah those are some pipe hitting dorks <laughs> just the shit he comes up with is <laughs> he's hilarious but that and then guy, when he misses or yeah he just uh yeah the string of expletives he uses. I've never heard anything like it, oh, but he's such a nice guy that, uh, <laughs> that oh, was fun having him up. Yeah. Chad was super funny too. He was only there for a few days, but I, I like Chad. He was, uh, he was a pretty damn funny guy. Obviously had a lot on his mind business wise, but he was super, uh, super cool too. I mean, you, I mean, I don't think you'd find a more kind hearted dude. At least it seemed like in a short period of time he was up there. Oh, absolutely. And that picture you posted, on Instagram yesterday, him with the tumbleweed was just so classic. <laughs> you, <laughs> if people would have known the arguments that was went on before he, he actually took that thing. I I I, I, I wish I could have record. I should have recorded that because he he was like, I don't want to take this. He's like, Yeah, I know. You said I know you don't want to take it, but you're gonna. You need something to hide <laughs> behind. And he's like, is this like a joke? And I'm like, dude, don't pay attention to the camera. Don't worry about it. And he's like, I, I don't want to take it. He's like, yeah. And he kept saying, I know you don't want to, but you're going to. Because, you know, he's, he's a big guy. And, he, you know, the Jets, giant silhouette. I mean, he, what he saves, 6'3 and 250? Oh, I bet you he's taller than that. But, yeah, where he was going, you know, ground blind situations are tough. But, uh, you know, he's put an arrow on the ground. You slide, you know, big tumbleweed down and it cuts off your, your – silhouette mostly where these things were coming up so i was dead serious with him but you kept saying stuff so i started laughing and then i think you thought we were just setting him up for you know to look stupid and uh and he might have looked a little bit stupid going across the prairies on the bike with that thing but uh ended up having deer around him you know within 20 yards unfortunately nothing was big and thankfully he didn't uh shoot a two-point just to shoot one because it's hell over there getting them out. But, uh, yeah, it's too bad he couldn't stay longer because I think he would have done it. Yeah, no. It. But he's the only one that did not have um, – well, I guess he did have a legit opportunity. And it's just that buck caught something or got got you know got the wind. But, uh, yeah, he's coming back next year. Yeah. No, he's a good dude. And uh, 
you've got just for everybody listening or whatever, um, you've got, uh, you know, in the, in the fall or whatever, in the spring, um, you've got opening, do you have openings this year for moose and black bear? Yeah, I've got some openings for black bear. I'm probably 60%. Usually black bear guys don't start book until after the new year, once the fall's done. Um, and then moose, yeah, I think I got two or three. It was tough. It was a tough moose year this year. Not going to lie. It was difficult. We really had to, uh, you know, a lot of the outfitters that I spoke with, it got really cold early and, and harder, uh, you know, his uh, view on it is that these bulls were kind of thrashing each other, fighting prior to the, uh, the cows coming in heat. And by the time that it happened that they were a little bit gun shy about coming into the call because they'd been getting beat up. And I, and I would agree with, yeah, we really had to work hard. We didn't have any bulls that just, you know, well, we had one that came grunting in and he got, he got arrowed, but, uh, yeah, we had to work hard for it this year, but not every year is going to be a a banner year, even though some outfitters will tell you that every year is great, but, uh, this year was tough. So yeah, opportunities were there, but, um, you know, our biggest bull was, wasn't that, you know, it was 36 inches. And the one you killed the year before was, what, 52? Yeah, something like that. We saw a couple in that range, but, you know, one was at 400 yards. I wasn't going to let the guy shoot. But, yeah, moose is, uh, moose is tough. <laughs> the country they live in, I just shake my head because it's swamp and it's jungle and it's raining. And, you know, you kind of got to get yourself up for it. But uh, it's always good to jump in the vehicle and head over to Alberta because it takes me two days just to look around and figure out where all the trees are because there's nothing out there but oh yeah I was ready to I was ready to leave uh for sure when I was up there hey we're gonna take a momentary pause because I gotta pee hold on one sec no problem I'm back (laughs) while you were gone I was giving a little background of of your peanut bladder and your uh scuba tank water bottle it's like five gallons oh yeah I pumped down the water (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Never seen anything like it. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, good lord. I get yeah. That was one of the many things Harder was making fun of me for was uh I'd have to pee every forty five minutes or so. Yeah, but at least your pee looks like fresh spring water. It's clear. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just with the lifestyle or you know, with as much as we you know, work out I mean, and not everything that I was <laughs> well, you know, like I don't know. I just I I try to drink and eat as healthy as I possibly can um, throughout the year, but I certainly break that. Uh, although we did eat, we ate pretty good when we were up with you this year. Sylvia was super good cook. Yeah, except it was desserts every night, and uh, yeah, she knows uh, what guys like as far as it's always meat, potatoes. So yeah, she was uh, she did a great job. Oh yeah, for for sure. So what um, for? Uh, we talk about like bears and everything else. I mean, you you usually are you're about a hundred percent or pretty close on opportunities as far as bears go, uh, for the most part anyway, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. I mean, we're we're uh, there's very few that that get stocks on uh, on big black bears. I mean, we have a couple every year that um, you know you get one guy that's every day is on a big one and somebody who isn't right. So it's uh, um it evens out, but no, there are, you know, this last year we had a couple, couple guys that, I mean, they worked their tails off, um, and just didn't get their, you know, their opportunity with their bow, but no, by and large, everyone, you know, the kill rate is pretty high. I would say 
60, 70% for bow hunters, usually a hundred percent for rifle hunters. Um, unless they're real picky, but, uh, yeah, we saw some Kings this year that we didn't like that big chocolate that we weren't able to get. And yeah, so it just, uh, and those bikes are, uh, those things are a game changer unless you crash. <laughs> go, so, go into those bikes a little bit. What did you end up getting? And, uh, cause I, I had a guy come in yesterday. We were talking about the different types of bikes that are offered and, and, and there's a couple of them that are kind of not great, but the one you've got, I mean, I've ridden the piss out of them now. What, what model did you end up going with? Well, um, they're Trex and, uh, they're called Trek Powerfly. The hardtail is, um, I got two of the hardtails and then they worked me a deal on the, on the downhill, which, uh, is the one I ride. And, uh, and they're, you know, unlike some of the ones on the market that are specifically made for hunting, um, they're a lot lighter. And I can thank Kenton for that. He's the one who knows a lot about bikes and components. And he just said, man, I would, I would spend the money and get the, you know, get the bikes that are made by the, the good manufacturers. So all those guys now are making them Cannondale, Specialized, Rocky Mountain. They're all making e-bikes now. And then of course, in the hunting industry, you got Rambo and quiet cat and, I think it's rogue ridge or something but some of those are real heavy and if you and you can just push a button and they'll just drive you around but if you run out of run out of uh, battery power you're going to be struggling to pedal those 100 pound bikes back so that's kind of why i went with with the trek and and uh was able to get a good deal and yeah they're um now that we've kind of figured out the tires because cactus just kills them um I think they're uh, they're a good way to go, and the big reason why I bought them is because last year we had issues with with landowners not allowing us to go out in their place and mule deer camp because of the fires. We had extreme fires last year, and uh, as soon as you pull up with bikes on the back, I mean they don't even hesitate because you can't pay for access up here. So you, you you know it's a handshake deal. You just you just get the you know they tell you hey you can hunt and you go hunt. So. And it paid off <clears throat> big time as far as uh, the zone we were hunting last week. Uh, you know, Harder's young enough where, you know, he probably thinks it's cheating. You know, it's better just to walk and walk. And you guys had, you know, had plenty of opportunities. But sometimes it's nice to get way back in there and, and cover more ground and more country. And, and, um, yeah. they're uh, And with Black Bear, they're, you know, as long as uh, – you're not doing scorpion like I did. Um, it's good. Dangerous though. I think at times it can be real dangerous with, you know, we rode up, well, those two grizzlies we rode up on, those young ones. Um, yeah. a little worried about that as far as coming around a corner or, or, you know, all of a sudden, boom, there's a South cub. I think is, is probably my biggest fear, but, uh, they're deadly for getting in and making no noise and getting close. Oh, yeah. No, they're so, super quiet. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know. When we were looking for Kenton's buck, I don't know, you know, whatever amount of miles I put on, but it would have taken five days to do the same thing on foot. You know, and, Oh, for sure. You know, you can go and ride 300 yards, grab your glass, glass for a while, ride again, and it's just super, I mean, it's super fast. And I don't really need one here for, you know, there's not enough. It's not conducive here where we hunt. But, man, I tell you um, – like old logging roads, 
you know, things like that. Um, I, man, I don't think there's a better, you know, system. And I mean, the thing is, is, you know, they make trailers for those. They make all kinds of shit. So, I mean, and I don't, 20 miles an hour is, you know, whatever, how fast you can go with the, you know, battery helping you. And, uh, you know, on eco, I don't know, that battery probably lasts, you know, full on ride. And I would think six, eight hours. I mean, it's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think the, you know, and I, I talking with Cal, you know, in Idaho, it's a, and probably all over the mid or the, the Western States, it's kind of a bone of contention because guys are riding into places where you're supposed to hike and, and, uh, there's rules now with, you know, what you can go in with and whatever, whatever, but that's not the case up here because we're just not dealing with the people like down there. Yeah. So. And what it is, there's, you know, there's certain trails that are, you know, mountain bike access only and, uh, you know, no motorcycles. And then where does the, the e-bike lie? Is it, you know, it's not motorized, but it does, I guess, have an electric motor or whatever. And that's what, you know, Cal was talking about. And this is not something we have to deal with where I hunt, uh, but I can see how that'd be, you know, possibly a point of contention or whatever, but yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah I don't, whatever. I mean, I'm sure it'll figure itself out, but what, um, when you, uh, how many, as far as on the, the bear and the, the elk or excuse me, bear and the mule deer side of things, what do you, what's your usually, I mean, is it pretty consistent year to year as far as how many compound stick bow and rifle guys you get? I mean, obviously with mule deer, it's all archery. Yeah. I, you know, with mule deer, since I've been doing it for so long and when I first started out in the mid to late nineties, you know, I kind of was one of those trad guys who, you know, kind of thought trad was the only way to go. And, um, and a lot of guys came up with traditional gear and not many of them would kill anything. In fact, yeah, not many at all. And so, yeah, I would say, um, you know, black bears are, pretty uh conducive to you know stick guys you can get real close to them mule deer are as well um but there's just something different about mule deer they're just way more finicky and uh you know big black bear gets cocky arrogant and will give you that opportunity to to get a shot off because he's you know he's pissed that you're there mule deer that's not the case yeah they don't care. They get up, they see you and they haul. And so most, most of the times with people when they, you know, you really got to be at full draw, like mostly you new shooters, not new. Well, yeah. Who, who come back and kind of the Tom Clum three under hold for five seconds. I know Matt, he holds for a long time. And I was worried about that because when that deer comes up to full standing and you're within 20 yards of them, I mean, you're, right there in his bedroom and he doesn't just necessarily turn and look and see what's going on. He just flies. And, uh, but this year that kind of, that theory is thrown out the window with Matt, especially, you know, a couple of them would, would stretch like, uh, my dog Luke, you know, ass in the air and head on the ground, just stretching wide open shot. And, uh, you know, finally would stand up. So he had his opportunity to come to full draw and hold it. But, uh, yeah, usually they're up and gone. So it's been a tough go for, for stick shooters in my camp from, uh, for mule deer, for sure. For yeah, sure. no, it, it seemed like it. And, and, uh, yeah, I know Matt, he, um, he, he broke down and cussed a few times. Um, 
and I, I, you know, it's it's an eye opener, I'm sure, for most people when they first get up here, because it is. Well, I watched, you know, Ryan and Frank were twenty two yards from a giant. Well, that one he missed, and that <clears throat> in the red brush, and um, I mean, you, it's like Christmas is right there, or the woman you've always dreamed of is right there, and you just got to watch it right. and hope. <laughs> It's hard for some people. And I mean, including me, like I don't have the patience. And I know if I was in that position, you would end up yelling at me because I guarantee I try to stand it up, which you have not had great luck with. But I I (laughs) don't have the patience to wait forever. And they do when they get up naturally, they stretch, they mill around. And you've got a very short window when you stand them up, they're going to be looking around and then they bolt. Um, And sometimes they don't look around and they just bolt. And being that close, it does. I mean, I'm sure I, you know, if you could read someone's mind, what is going on when you've got 180 plus inches of rack, you know, sub 25 yards for three hours? I mean, I'm sure a lot's going through their mind. Well, and you can get too close too. And 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 I know Matt wouldn't mind me sharing any of this, but uh, like that first day, he was he was 10 yards from probably the biggest deer for him of the week, which was in the 80s for sure. And you can get too close. And what happened is that it was windy that day and his nose was running and he, you know, he went to wipe his nose and his forearm brushed across his, uh, bino harness, which made kind of a, and man, it was, I mean, that buck's head and I was watching it. I was about 200 yards back and whipped over and looked his way. And I'll tell you, there was no, he was up and he was gone. I mean, there was <laughs> it's just up and gone and it was something as small as just a, a little bit of a you know rub against something that's foreign and even though it was windy that buck heard it and he was gone so i think for myself my most comfortable yardage with with my longbow is is 18 yards between 20 and 18 i i can still get away with a little bit if it's windy but it's you know close enough where it's right where I'm comfortable shooting, but I think you can get too close. Then on the flip side, Matt was on another big deer that, that was buried in the brush, just a giant heavy three by three, real wide, dark horn thing. And he got, oh man, he was, I would, I want to say 20 yards from this thing, maybe 25, but I was watching from 200 yards. I crawled up to the edge of the hill and was watching this thing. And, and but the other buck, smaller four by four was in the wide open, and he got into position coming in straight behind that thing's head, never looked back. He was sitting there and that little buck got up, looked at him, which usually that's what kills you on, on you know, on these big deers that they've always usually have a lookout or more that keeps him, you know, he's, he's safe. And I've watched big deer wake up, look around and see the smaller deer sleeping and absolutely boot stomp them for not being awake. And, uh, you know, that whole kind of um, hierarchy is fascinating to watch. But uh, this buck got up and looked at Matt. He was probably 30, 35 yards from Matt. He just stared at him for a long time and then nothing. And he just started feeding and then he went, finally went and laid down. So that, you know, he didn't even know what Matt was. He knew he was something. And then, you know, big buck stood up, stretched, and we had a miss on that one. But, uh, and then those two deer ran right to me. I thought I was going to get crushed. 
<laughs> yeah, they almost ran they like you over. Yards. Huh? They ran right at me, and I was laying in the grass, and, and they stopped at about, oh, 10, 15 yards, looked back. Both of them were looking back at Matt, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I had my bow on me right now. But it's not legal, so I couldn't shoot. But it was pretty cool. But once they saw me, yeah, then then thunder rolled. They got out of there fast. But, yeah. But that was pretty fun, man. That last week especially was uh, we were on big deer every day. I mean, it's just not like that. And unfortunately for Frank and Matt, they probably think that's the way it is. And if they were to sit down with Broderick from the week before or Chad or Kenton and Scott, that, you know, you really, to get your opportunity, if you get two or three good solid opportunities where you're within shooting range, I mean, that's a pretty good week. It's very technical, but, uh, I texted Carter the one time when they were on the stock, um, cause I'm kind of, you know, they're flagging a man and, and I texted harder with these, these deer blew out. And, uh, I texted him and I, I was like, dude, can you believe this? And he's like, no, I can't believe this. You know, he's walking back to me and, uh, I can see him shaking his head because the one deer Frank had three opportunities on a 180 plus deer in one day. Just one, and that doesn't include the 400-pound 3x3 that was probably 10 years old that he didn't shoot at. And I told Frank in the, you know, when we got back to the hotel, I'm like, dude, it is not like this. It could, and then Harder's like, yeah, man, tomorrow may be way worse, so don't get your hopes up. And then next day, same thing. It was just, you know, amazing. You know, I was like, good Lord, it was just unbelievable. Dude, if you could have seen after we get got back, and you usually would come to our room because Harder and I were sharing a room, and, I'd walk in because we were always usually later than he was closer to the hotel. So we'd get back and I'd walk straight over, throw a couple ice cubes and two glasses, pour bourbon. And we'd both sit there with, with the bourbon at night in our hand, just staring at the ground <laughs> with nothing that it was killing us because it's just, uh, it just isn't, you know, consistently are you stalking that big of a deer every day and having the opportunities I mean, how many shots there was, well, I don't even want to, whatever. I, you know what, Frank and Matt wouldn't care. I, you know, there was probably 12, at least 12 good shots at big deer. Well, I was and there the cool for thing is, six of them. And I was like, I didn't even know what to say yeah. because every, it had every urge for me to, to poke fun a little. But then I'm like, well, you don't want to kick a dog when it's down. And then I'm thinking... I would have given my left nut possibly some other parts of my body to have these opportunities myself. And I know you were thinking the same thing because a lot of these were very mm-hmm. conducive to stick bow kills, right? Like opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, yeah, man, there are some big deer. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was, it was fun, you know. And then the last day, um, whenever that was Saturday, I guess, uh, I was hoping to get out, I think Sunday morning. And, and so I stayed back and Ryan had the two, you know, Matt and, uh, and Frank. And so I had to go pick them up midday to, to, uh, cause they had walked a big stretch and I just was picking them up, taking them back to the truck to save them some hours and ended up throwing Matt in with me. And we just went off and looked around and, you know, Matt wanted to, he wanted to, to shoot a deer. So we found one and didn't know how big he was. It ended up, it was a two point. And he got in pretty tight, but fortunately, and I'm so thankful that buck got up and just ran. They didn't, didn't really want him to shoot a two point. Um, that was my own. And I told him that I said, I was actually rooting for the deer on that one. 
And, uh, and sure enough, right at last, you know, probably an hour and a half before dark, we found a bomber and probably one of the most unique. This thing was a four by three, probably had six inch mass almost all the way up. He just was an old deer. He would have went in the, you know, gross probably in the eighties for sure, maybe high seventies, but he was huge and he had separated from the other bucks and said, we've got a really short amount of time to make a play on this. So let's do it. So we went around and, and he went in and the buck heard him. He could see him. The buck looked up. So he had read something by G Fred Asbel a long time ago about, you know, acting like a deer and she said, I have nothing to lose. And so he just walked like a deer, you know, heel toe was brushing the, the brush with his hands and he walked in making noise to 30 yards of that buck. That buck was bedded in a hole. He settled right back down once he started walking like that and, and, and doing what he was doing. And I don't think he probably would have done that, you know, unless it was the last, you know, last night, last hour. And he got right in on that thing. And, uh, that buck settled right down. He stopped doing it. And the buck just was looking the other way. And I don't know what happened there, but, uh, that buck is, is probably breeding right now. So, uh, <laughs> it was never heard that never, I mean, I've heard of that, but I've never tried it. And so that was pretty, uh, something new there as far as acting like a deer and, and, uh, you know, pretending he was feeding, stopping, walking, breaking branches with his fingers and, and getting in close. So yeah, that was kind of cool. I mean, that's pretty risky to do on a buck of that caliber. We went in the next morning and, you know, he had a, he had a couple shots and fortunately, you know, the second back's option with the shot was that he hit it high and, and it, and it went, you know, below the spine and, and, uh, we tracked him. Luckily we had some snow and there's some blood and, and found him, but he was bedded and he stood up, looked at us and ran away. So, he was fine. I know Matt was heartbroken, but you know Matt's a good dude, man. He uh, that guy's always optimistic, and yeah, when he gets mad, it's it's he's got a he's got a pace like I've never seen. He just starts hiking, and you know, with a lot of these guys, I don't know how, how Ryan was with Frank, but you just gotta you just kind of walk with them. <laughs> There's nothing you can say because I've had that walk of shame dozens of times. Yeah. <laughs> might even have thrown my bow like a boomerang a couple of times being so frustrated, but, uh, that's what they do to you. But when you do kill one it makes it pretty, uh, pretty satisfying as you know, of course yeah. you haven't had a chance to miss one yet, but, uh, well, I did, you know, the high country hunt was the first hunt where I've really been, I don't not to over dramatize anything, but faced with some serious adversity and, and some misses and, uh, you know, plus living off your back and I mean, you know, whatever I told Frank, I'm like, I mean, Frank, you know, was there with me, you know, for the, when I killed the buck, but I, I mean, when you're burning that many calories and sleeping on an air pad and the weather and all the different shit and then you're, you know, other hunters and then, you know, you're missing, I mean, I had three that I should have definitely hit or, or were decent enough opportunities that, that, um, I think I should have got them. Man, it's just you definitely need to, it's you gotta suck it up to stick in there. I mean that the the one for the high country for me was, I mean, yeah, like I said, not to write some fucking motivational quote about it, but I mean, I definitely it took. I mean, there were, I didn't want to give up. I mean, we went back in and got one, but good lord, you want to talk about? I can see it killing most people. You know, 
not wanting to go back in the nine miles or whatever. It was a rough, uh, I mean, we got it done, but it was rough. <laughs> well, I mean, you gave up basically to go kill that thing in your persistence. You gave up basically hunting elk. I mean, you, you were focused on that deer and, and I'm sure a lot of people kind of don't understand, you know, when, I mean, you're a pretty confident dude and some people might take that as arrogance. I just see it as, uh, you're very persistent and you're, you know, I don't know anybody who shoots 200 arrows a day. I haven't shot 200 arrows in a year with my shoulders. And, uh, you know, you can't deny that, you know, not to pump you up, but, uh, I'm sure some people mostly in the stick boat community kind of get rubbed the wrong way because you're very, uh, forthright in what you do. And, and, and that's good. That's good. So that muley, yeah. I mean, that you shot in Colorado was, was kind of a testament to your, to your drive. And, and I think that's, that's pretty cool. Cause literally you gave up hunting out to try to kill him. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. And I mean, I was talking on a previous podcast, you know, antelope is the big one for next year, but I'm very goal oriented and Frank's the same way. And, you know, I told Frank, I'm like, dude, I've killed an elk with the recurve. I, I need, you know, and when we came back, you know, cause we were sharing his backstrap from his buck, we were out of food. And when we came out, I, I ended up having to go to the hospital cause this thing on my hands, but I was like, look, if I got to go back in, man, um, if you don't go, I totally understand. I've, if, if I do not kill a deer this year, it will haunt me the rest of my life at a level that I don't think you understand. I, I cannot not get a deer. <laughs> he was like, dude, I'm, I'm with you. I'll go. And I'm like, I'm not fucking kidding, man. We got to load up food enough for our next hunt, no matter what it takes. I, I'm not coming back off the mountain. And Amy was super cool with it. And I mean, we loaded up seven days of gear and I mean, luckily I got it done. And, 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 you know, Frank was, you know, we had talked about the commitment it takes just for archery or backpack hunting or, you know, the stick bow is a whole new level. And I'm not trying to pump up my own tires, but you need to know that before you get into it, that it does take a level of commitment that I think a lot of people don't understand to, to be successful. I mean, obviously, you know, if you, if you don't mind not killing anything, it doesn't take that much commitment. But uh, I mean, dude, I, I dropped well over 10 pounds and, uh, you know, it was a rough one. It was rough for Frank too. I mean, it just, it is what it is. I mean, I got super lucky this year, uh, with you and got it, you know, on the first stock, but man, I tell you that, that hunt about killed me. I mean, at the point of, I got night sweats and shit and cold chills. I didn't know what was going on. And the doctor came to the conclusion, like you just pushed it too hard. I pissed blood once from dehydration wow. and, um, you know, people hear that and they're like, yeah, I'm like, all right, well, why don't you go do it and see how you fare? <laughs> like, that shit almost killed me. Yeah, no, that doesn't sound fun to me. Did you find it weird that Amy hired a pool boy when you don't have a pool? I know, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that woman's a, uh, she's a saint, man, but she knew what she was getting into. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. And I try to, you know, do as much as I can when I'm, you know, when I'm back, oh, for sure. you know, because I am, I mean, it is. As long as she knows I'm not dead, uh, we're you know it's good, and I can get a hold of her. And and uh, I mean, I don't tell her about a lot of the stuff she finds out later. Like I didn't really want to say too much about my hands because they were all jacked up, and and uh, you know I cut myself, but she didn't realize how bad till I got back, and and she wasn't overly thrilled about that because it got infected. But 
you know, she she's I've taken on enough. She's gone on some pretty extensive backpacking trips, fishing and everything else. And she knows what's going on back there now. She's got a real good grasp of what you're getting into. And, and uh, you know, just staying in a tent for 13, 14 days is bad enough, let alone going up and down the side of the mountain. And and again, you know, I, I you know, I think people there's some people be super addicted, but I just try to let people know, like, don't have false hope if you're picking up a a recurve, you've got to put a lot of effort into it. And you've done it for so long. I mean, you know, if you kill an animal a year with a recurve, you're doing pretty dang good. It's just not that easy. Yeah, no, it, I, I think there's an advantage to it, honestly, mostly with mule deer and the fact that you don't think, you know, all the shooting you've done and all the practice and the mental part, when that thing stands, it's it's all subconscious. You're just back, you know what to do, you know where to shoot, and you shoot. Um you know, and I had my issues with, with the shoulders and actually had a guy bring up one of those new Hoyts. And I went out and I haven't shot a compound since about 83. So I thought, well, if I can't hunt, I might as well try it. And I didn't even know what the bubble was. Like, they're like, you got to center that bubble. I'm like, what bubble? So look at your sight. I'm like, oh, yeah. There's a long, there's a, it made me appreciate what compound guys have to do in order to shoot effectively you know having everything perfect with uh you know your your sight bubble being centered and and follow through all this different stuff i'm like man that's a lot of work and i kept thinking to myself you know you're in a with a mule deer that's standing up and you've got a really short amount of time to shoot that's you know i think there's probably just as much to go through and think about with a compound bow on a big mule deer at 30 yards as there is with the I think it's easier actually with the recurve, not necessarily you can't shoot like Levi did or, or, you know, you used to do with your compound. Most guys can't do that, but, uh, yeah, there's gave me a new appreciation for what, what you have to do to be effective with those things. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, uh, it's different. And I think that, um, I'm, you know, like with Frank, I mean, he's kind of swinging towards, he's going to stay with a compound, but like he's like, he's digging the, let's just get closer you know, mentality rather mm-hmm. than getting a 110 yard pin. He's like, I think I'm just going to stick inside a 50 and try to get to 20 um, or, you know, or whatever. And I, it's a different mentality. Totally. I mean, I talk about it all the time from, for me before, because now, you know, like I, I mean, when, even with Frank, when it was at 40, which is a, a fairly close shot with a recur or a compound, I'm thinking, man, this deer is dumb. It has no idea, and we've got good wind. In my mind, I'm like, let's get closer because that's how my brain is working now where it didn't work that way before. And you're right. Um, I mean, on my deer this year, Bo, I mean, I would have been done opening day in the high country with a compound, but with the, you know, the the one I was with you, I mean, there's – I just get – you get a hell of a lot more out of it, and it's a hell of a lot more rewarding – when you shoot one sub 20 with a stick, it's just cooler um, for me. Uh, yeah, it just took me a while to realize that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is fun. It is fun. Then, you know, I was surprised Broderick didn't bring up his uh, longbow. He's so effective with it last year, but uh, he didn't even look right carrying a compound in his hand. But <laughs> <laughs> I know. He, um, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I, I'm not. I don't know what he's bringing to Oklahoma. I'm not sure. Um, I haven't. I didn't even ask him yet um, if he's bringing the stick or not. I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, anytime there, 
you know, it's it's a private land, uh, you know, like most whitetail hunts, but it's they're like, hey, 150 or above. I mean, you got to love hearing that when they're like, you got to shoot something 150 or above. You know, there's some big deer in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he killed a big one in there last year, but yeah, that'll be a that'll be a fun hunt. I hope it's like minus thirty. Oh man, like yeah, that would be rough uh, for me. Like the deer will have a lot better opportunity of living for me if it's that cold. Um, he said there's a lot of spot and stock in there when the grass is high, so that'd be cool to shoot a big whitetail spot and stock. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I got in close on that one whitetail two weeks ago. He was huge. It was so windy. It never happens that way when you're hunting, but uh thought we'd give it a shot, get a try, see how close I could get. And he was probably a 160-inch buck, which for down south is big because the rifle hunters, it's just open general season for rifle hunters. So they might have, they have to draw for a mule deer tag, but they'll have a whitetail and they'll shoot any whitetail they see with, with their gun for meat. So yeah, it was pretty cool to see. Saw some big ones this year, but uh so when are you heading out for uh, with with uh, Broderick next Friday the sixteenth? Yeah, it'll be about perfect for the rut. Yeah, yeah, it should be. It'll be um, uh, interesting. The biggest thing we got to worry about is Frank because he's never seen a hundred and fifty inch whitetail. So we got to be a little diligent on the tutoring and size and everything else so he doesn't shoot a three and a half year old <laughs> one hundred and thirty inch buck. Oh, Frank. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good hunting partner to have right there. Anyone who goes in with you nine miles back in just to help you out to, to shoot a mule deer, yeah, he's, regardless if his boots are green and a little bit of a homophobe and yeah. loves Sylvia, you know, I mean, <laughs> besides that. <laughs> he's a hard, he's a hardcore dude. I mean, you really can't ask for a better hunting partner in the sense of, you know, commitment and uh, drive and I mean the dude's just I mean whatever all shit talking aside with everything going on in the industry the truth of it is there is very few people that are as tough as Frank and uh, not to pump his tires up too much but coming from me which I consider myself a relatively tough individual on backpack hunts Frank was there every day with me got his own buck and turned around and went right back in with me um, packed it out with whatever the hell stomach problem he had. And then we went straight to antelope hunting, sleeping in his truck to us trying to hunt for two days for elk, um, to turn around, you know, obviously and head out on another hunt. And yeah, he doesn't really ever say anything every now and then he'll be like, man, it's cold this morning. That's about all you get out of him. I mean, you just do not <laughs> say a whole lot. And I mean, he does have a good sense of humor, but he, Literally, you could call him and be like, hey, dude, I've, I've got three elk on the ground and these guys don't want to carry anything. He'd be like, oh, okay, do you need any chew? Um, titty sprinkles. I'll be there in a while. I mean, he just doesn't, <laughs> nothing affects him. Yeah, no, those, yeah. It's hard to find good hunting partners that, yeah, that you can, you can trust. So, no, he's, does he use one of those teeth whitener things? You know, those little fluorescent light things in his mouth? No, you know? <laughs> that's because he's brown, man. They look whiter than normal. Uh, yeah. He, they just got a buck. They just messaged me on the inReach. They shot one today. They just, uh, like 20 nice. minutes ago, they shot a big four by three, I guess. Um, I told uh, Perk, because Frank's got the whole ballistic dial every turret thing, and he was like, well, anything within 700, I think we're going to be fine. And he said they got like 200 and something for four of it. And I think it was that big four by three we saw the other day, and uh, which is a damn good buck. And Perkins never shot a 
a mule deer before, so I'm sure he's happy. Wow. He's probably pissed I'm not there, but um, I got to keep Amy happy. I got to pick her up. She, I, I don't want to get divorced already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Frank, after last week, he's probably kicking that thing in the yeah. <laughs> in the gunions right now over and over again. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, that's funny. Well, man, I, I should... I should probably go. I got to get a hold of these guys and let them know where to take it for processing. I had a bunch of paperwork to do before I pick up Amy. But, man, I, I can't say enough. I appreciate everything you've done and appreciate hunting with you and coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. For, You're about the only podcast that I really do. So, uh, um, yeah, that was fun having you up and, you know, gorgeous buck. And hopefully next year we can get Frank in on uh, to finish the deal. Yeah. But well, just get rid of those green boots, man. Those things are... Well, you'll never lose them, but they are ugly as sin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Exactly. Cool. All right, All right man. Dude. Well, tell Lan I said hello, and I appreciate it. You betcha. Take it easy. Cut. All right, see ya.